0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League,
1: powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Wednesday edition. A little stock up, stock down today around the NFL after five weeks. And then tomorrow we'll turn the page into this week's six schedule, we'll start making picks and previewing those games for Sunday. And Monday and Thursday. We can't forget Thursday. It's so fast how the league goes from Monday to Thursday, and I love it. And uh, it's not good for the health of the players, but for the fans, it's awesome to have only a couple of days off between weeks and between games on Monday night and Thursday night. And, of course, some of your Twitter questions, as we have been doing during the season on this midweek episode, you can find Matt and I at BDPcock on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL. That's where those questions will come from on today's podcast Matt we've got to talk about Lamar Jackson he's doing some pretty special things and I want to get this out of the way first because I didn't want to forget to talk about it because uh, what he's doing right now and everyone saw his heroic comeback in the win and they probably shouldn't have won that game because if the Colts could have just kicked one through the uprights that were very makeable kicks uh, that would have been an L for the Ravens and a W for the Colts but uh, such are the things for the Indianapolis Colts this year and you gave The Ravens, too many opportunities. You gave Lamar Jackson too many opportunities. They won that football game. But just statistically through five weeks here, Matt, Lamar Jackson is the NFL's fifth leading passer Mm -hmm. and eighth leading rusher. That is absurdity. He has a combined rushing and passing yardage of 1,800 and something, which is better than 18 teams in the NFL's total passing and rushing yardage. So Lamar Jackson doing pretty special things right now
1: really special things, and I want to get into the whys and all that too, but I I threw a tweet out like a day ago that I found a little mind-boggling about him too, coincidentally, is of all the quarterbacks in history that have thrown for 400 yards or more, Lamar's 86% completion percentage in this past game was the best in history. You know, it wasn't like you don't get the 400 by throwing screens all day. You know what I mean? And he was completing (laughs) everything. I absolutely believe he is throwing the football better than he ever has. I think he's playing better than he ever has, which, you know, he has an MVP under his belt. I always thought he was an underrated passer to begin with, but he's throwing the football quite well. The combination, this sounds extreme, but the combination of Andrews and Marquise Brown, I think, it's very Kelsey, Tyreek Hill-like. I think it's very, very clear that the Ravens don't trust or like any of their running backs. Like, if they even had <laughs> Gus Edwards, I think the offense would look a lot better. They don't, oh, yeah. like, hand the ball to running backs anymore. Like, it's all on Lamar as a thrower and runner. And, frankly, it worries me for his durability, but such is life. I mean, they're winning games. They're four and one. You mentioned, you know, there's probably at least two games the Tucker sixty six yarder, probably three games that really could have went either way, and they got the benefit of the doubt, they got the bounce, and you know, great, they're very good at that as well. But it's pretty remarkable, to your point. I mean, it's crazy.
0: Durability is definitely the thing I'm worried about with Lamar Jackson. He's not the biggest guy, getting hit more than he ever has. Had a little tweaked yeah. back a couple of weeks ago. Um, ideally, the running side of that thing isn't as necessary but I think it's going to be this year and uh, I think that's yeah. that's going to have to be the recipe and uh, Tyson Williams came back and uh, he got I think he had zero carries the, the week before right and he came back and carried so. the ball yeah. a little bit in this game but yeah it's pretty clear that they don't trust any of the running backs that are in-house right now on that Ravens roster and it's just kind of a mishmash of of guys that they're they're going to utilize as best they can but it's all about Lamar right now in that offense and you're right the the more he throws the more dangerous that offense becomes because he is a pretty good thrower and he's getting better and and getting more um more efficient which is which was his you know him throwing the ball was never the problem just efficiency was was the problem when he was younger that's getting better uh his his pass catchers are developing there you mentioned Andrews and Hollywood Brown who's on a couple of my fantasy teams just because he came so cheap with his dynamic athletic ability and that's really paying off but Rashad Bateman hasn't even come back yet, and he, I believe, this is the week. He wasn't quite ready last week. He's going to show up, I believe, this week in week six, and you add him, who's that element of a of a, of a sort of a do-it-all chain moving. He can be a target hog wide receiver for them, and he had rave reviews out of camp. I mean, you add that to the mix, then you have the deep threat, the the big play guy, and then you have your tight end over the middle. That's a nice combination of pass catchers, and maybe they finally got that thing Figured out with uh with those weapons in the passing game with Lamar Jackson now in what his the fourth year
1: fifth year of his career, yeah, and I agree, and didn't even mention Sammy Watkins who ain't what he used to be, but he's a quality player, and the Duvernays of the world, and Boykins, like they got a lot of guys, so all of a sudden you know they can handle if you know Bateman was out or when Sammy Watkins gets hurt. A uh, quick fantasy thing I just wanted to run by you, because Wednesdays are kind of fantasy at times here. I love Bateman. You know, the Steeler fan of me hated that he went to the Ravens. I own him in every dynasty league I could possibly get him in. But just the way this passing game's going, I don't know that he jumps right in as a rookie after never playing before and gets eight targets a game.
0: I wouldn't have thought there'd be enough targets to go around, and maybe him entering the picture could hurt Brown and – Andrews, more than it helps. You know, fantasy owners that have Rashad Bateman. But I have him in a bunch of leagues, too. I have him in our Locked On NFL Dynasty League versus a bunch of other hosts on the network here. Uh, And I can't wait to put him in my lineup. Although, I think I have Hollywood Brown in that league as well. So, I don't even know. That's going to be a tough decision um, most weeks. I hate those decisions. I I just want to have a a very easy decision. (laughs) I like a Stars and Scrubs fantasy roster. I don't like decisions. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. If they're going to throw the ball as much as they have been, then maybe there is enough to go around. And, I mean, I think he can be really good. I I would definitely take him going forward. Even though we've seen what's happened now with the development of Marquise Brown, I would still take rest of career Rashad Bateman over Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews right now.
1: I would, too. But this year, it's hard to
0: know with a rookie jumping into it. They've already established a rapport. This year, I don't think I can say that about either guy.
1: Right. I mean, not for 2021, but I'm anxious to watch them live without question. The fan in me, you know, the analyst in me. Um, the one thing they were really looking for was guys that could get off press coverage. I mean, because when they devised this offense, it's so in- interesting to me how things evolve. You know, like when they devised this offense around Lamar, they pretty much assumed that they would see very, very little man coverage because. I'm not going to turn my back to Lamar and play man coverage against backs and tight ends and receivers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just scrambles for 30 yards without me even knowing as I turn my back to him, <laughs> but teams started to get, they, they adapted. I mean, defenses adapted and said, we are going to play man coverage and we're not going to help our guys because none of your receivers can get off press man because you didn't think you're ever going to see it. You know, you got a lot of zone beater type receivers over the years. So we'll leave guys one-on-one on your receivers and put two spies on the field or a spy on the field and play man coverage on at least on the outside and crowd the middle of the field with fast Derwin James-type bodies to deal with Lamar. And it started to work. And Lamar became a better passer versus man. You know, their receivers have stepped up. So I think that's Bateman's role is the traditional align all over the field, beat press man coverage you know traditional you know Marquise Brown isn't the 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 prototypical receiver where Bateman kind of is
0: while we're talking about the Ravens can I throw in a stock up for first round edge rusher Odafe Owe formerly known as Jason Owe out of Penn State Uh, this guy is dynamically athletic and you saw it at the combine and and he had a lot of pressures in college but didn't have a lot of sacks and was famously like how raw is this guy you know athlete but didn't get any sacks but uh, clearly he's a Player, And I would put the Ravens ability to find edge rushers and front seven, you know, uh, defensive linemen. I would put that ability up with the Steelers ability to find wide receivers and the Packers ability to find offensive linemen. You know, uh, later in the draft and like just the Ravens, you worried about the the guys they were losing up front. And then they find this guy who runs four, three and he's six, five, two fifty. And he's awesome. Like, I love the way this guy plays and gets after opposing quarterbacks. And he's so athletic coming off the edge. So I've been blown away by how good Oa was. And I wasn't sure if that was going to happen early in his career, but it's happening right now. Uh, I think he has three sacks so far on the year, but he's uh, he's all over the place every time you see a, a Ravens game.
1: He's unbelievable. I mean, he is a freak specimen without question. Zero sacks last year at Penn State, but obviously whoever their defensive line edge coaches knows a thing or two and develops second and third round picks. I mean, like Judon wasn't a high pick. I mean, and then you give him a talent like Oway, and look out. You know, I mean, uh, the sky is the limit for this guy and he's already showing up in a big way philosophically, things have changed a little on their defense too because of the Peters injury. They didn't put a premium going into this year on edge pass rushers. They drafted more mid-round guys, second-round, third-round picks because they generated so much pressure with Blitz. I mean, they're the heaviest Blitz team in the league over the last few years because they had Humphrey and Peters and Smith and all these corners. So this year, they've had to kind of adapt at how they play a little bit and Blitz a little less. And frankly, they lucked into a first round edge guy because, you know, they didn't know that they weren't going to be able to blitz as much. And I'm sure they looked at Owe after zero sacks at Penn State and thought he'll kind of redshirt as a rookie and we'll take it from there and bring him along slow. And we have two first round picks after the Orlando Brown trade. So why not take a chance on this wonderful piece of clay that we can mold? But boy, it's all happening a lot faster than that.
0: All right, that ends the Ravens portion no, of this does podcast. Not. One more thing. Okay, sorry. It does not end. Sorry. Week. <laughs> one more note.
1: They I have such respect for the Ravens. People think I hate the Ravens because of the Steeler-Raven thing. I have so much respect for that organization, and here's a big reason why. They own the comp pick game. They're so good at trading down, and I know it's October, but how about this, BP? They have They're set up right now to have five fourth-round picks in this upcoming draft. That is cheap labor, you know, starting guard in the fourth round. Give me five fourth-round picks. They'll hit on three of them that'll be 4 years players for them for next to nothing. It's just such a Ravens move.
0: And we saw the Patriots do this for 20 years. You get a star quarterback, right, right. you've got a good coaching staff, and you just can't pay everybody, and the better teams are going to have more players that are worth paying and if you can play the comp pick game and you can continue to develop dynamic edge rushers and and you know high impact positions like that too you can fill in with running backs and whatever as needed and uh and you can let guys walk and get those comp picks and just continue to develop your roster inside out and uh, the ravens have done that as well as anybody in in recent history
1: really impressive yep
0: next we're going to get to some of your twitter questions and some more stock up stock downs around the nfl
1: an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about get upside my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up just download the free get upside app at the app store or google play right now use our promo code touchdown and get a bonus of 25 cents per gallon on your fill up that's that's up to 50 cents cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside uh, just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catches here involved. So the cash back Gets added right into your account. You can you can cash out any time to your bank account, to PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon. Just download the free Get Upside app and use our promo code Touchdown to get fifty cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code Touchdown.
0: We talked about one star quarterback, another star quarterback that is out. What are your thoughts on the Dallas? I mean the uh, the Seattle Seahawks right now. There has to be a stock down there. I don't even know how you could put them as a team that you think would be in in the playoffs right now losing their star quarterback and and some people liked what they saw from and look it was okay seeing what what Gino did for um uh, for a little bit during that game on Thursday after Russell Wilson went out but uh, I don't have any faith in and Geno Smith. I mean that, that that's that's a precipitous drop off from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. And Jerry's question here is: Is this Pete Carroll's last year? If they don't make the playoffs, they go in the tank. Um, I mean, there could be a lot of changes here. It could be it could be Pete Carroll stays, Russell goes. It could be Russell stays and Pete goes. Maybe some firings going on. Is there a, a power struggle there between those guys? Because there's been some whispers about maybe the the Seahawks willing to go away from Russell Wilson, which I think is insanity. But I think what will end up happening is everybody realize, oh, that's how important Russell Wilson is after he's gone for a few weeks. And they're going to be like, yeah, we got to bring everything back and we've got to give him some more talent next year. That's what I think is going to end up happening. So to answer Jerry's question from me, not his last year and definitely not going to be Russell's last year either. Unless unless Gino plays awesome and they think that they can get away with rebuilding under Gino and getting rid of, I mean, I just, Russell Wilson, I just can't see that happening.
1: There, it's interesting because he brings up Seattle and Seattle's coming to Pittsburgh this week. So I've done so much Seattle research this week and I just turned in a 3000 word document that we call it Matt stats for Steelers.com of all these average depth of targets and yards per play and all the dorky things I'm into that they put up on their website for the preview in this game. And boy, I mean, the Seattle defensive numbers are historically bad. I mean, worst yards per game, like in the history of the league. And besides Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, I mean, I like the young kid Taylor, but they don't have much there. I mean, the defensive line's all rotational. I mean, they're very vanilla in terms of heavy, heavy zone. You know, they, they don't vary coverages very much. And I'm not saying the game's passed Pete Carroll by because I don't think it has, but he has somewhat of an archaic view of how to let Russ cook and the defense I just mentioned and, you know, motion and, and going forward on fourth down, and I, I bet they use less analytics than just about anybody in the league. And it's all about Metcalf and Lockett, who are as good a pair as you'll find. But other than that, they don't run the ball real well, and you're 100% right. I mean, this isn't late-breaking news, but with Russell Wilson, I think they're like the 10th best team in the league that can play with anyone and beat the best team in the league on a given day. Without them, they're (laughs) they're not the Texans, Lions, Jets, Jags, but I think they're in the tier right above them.
0: I think they're a bottom tier team without Russell Wilson. I think that's yeah. what we're about to see. And I know some people think that Geno Smith played well, and they were talking about letting Geno cook. That's, that's not going to that's yeah. not going to go well. And that defense is playing so bad; it was going to be tough for them anyway. This is the worst defense Pete Carroll's had in Seattle so far.
1: It's horrendous. I mean that the, the Seahawks and Chiefs defense. I hope our listeners realize how bad these two te- these two teams are playing on that side of the ball. And I'm sure Geno Smith. I mean. I always talk about this. I I used to do the backup quarterback list for ESPN every year, and I hated it, and it was very eye-opening. So I bet (laughs) Gino's probably right in the middle of the list if I were to build one. I mean, there's much worse situations out there. He hasn't started a game since 2017, and a huge thing keeping Seattle afloat is they've turned the ball over the least in the whole league this year. Well, Gino, last I remember – Turned the ball over a lot. And I mean, like they can't overcome those things.
0: And it was a nice little story for a bit until he turned the ball over at the end of that game and they lost right, last right. week. So yeah, that's it's a big one.
1: Yeah, it is. I I don't think they're a very good football team right now. If so yeah. to your point, I mean I can't predict the future, but if they have a five or six week stretch here where they're not really competitive, that means the season's gonna be shot, and even if they end strong. Could there be a Carroll or Wilson change? I think it's quite possible. I thought there was a chance he'd move this year, Wilson.
0: I think it's possible. I think everyone's going to realize, oh, this is I'd how valuable Wilson. Russell Wilson is. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that has to be what happens here. I want to go to the Saints from a question from Quite Terrific. He says, after the bye, the Saints return Davenport, Thomas, Traquan, McCoy, Lutz, Onyamata, Armstead, along with uh, injuries from... Sunday, Taysom Hill, Deontay Harris, should be a different team coming out of the bye. What are your thoughts on this Saints team so far that's been very up and down and a middle-of-the-road team? Can they get some consistency going in the second half of the year? And, uh, you know, th- there are some big players coming back from injury on this roster, so it's going to get better top to bottom.
1: Absolutely. I thought that was a great tweet, to be honest with you, because I, um, I, I, I my big analysis of the Saints in the offseason and I don't like to get too far away from those things, you spend all those months thinking about it, was I can't believe they weathered the salary cap storm as well as they did, but wow, their depth got hit hard. Well, now we're seeing their depth guys out there, and they're still staying afloat, but you know, it's a noticeable drop-off, and more so than other teams. Every team deals with injuries, but they just don't have the second-level guys, the, the backups that most teams do, because they have no cap money, and they've had very few draft picks lately. So I could see them coming out of the bye very strong. I'm still a Winston believer. I'm a huge Sean Payton believer. I feel like Kamara's had to be the engine of that offense. And if a little bit of help can come off his shoulders, that would be wonderful. I think it's a really good defense. And when did we power rank? I think it was know, about a week ago. Or it was
0: so, last Wednesday. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I said then, I thought the Saints were my hardest team to power rank out of 32. I, I'm not sure what they are now, but I am excited for them out of the bye. It's a good point.
0: Yeah, I mean, at 3-2, and two, they, they've got a battle with the Panthers there for second place, most likely to the Bucks in the right. NFC South. How many wins does it take to get the wild card is the question for me. And with the 17-game season, is that 11 wins? I'm sure everyone's aiming mm. for 11. 10 used to kind of be the number. Is 10 going to be enough? It could. There's a lot of haves and have-nots in the NFC. Um, so that's, that's going to be an interesting one. If they, they're already three and two, even though they've been up and down a little bit, um, you know, they got a plus 36 point differential. It's not like they've been terrible or anything. And if they're going to be better the rest of the way, uh, that's a playoff team probably.
1: Yeah. And kind of like we just talked about in the AFC, I really think green Bay wins the North Dallas wins the East and probably no one else comes out of those two divisions. Maybe Minnesota could get hot, but I don't think so. I'd be shocked if Arizona and the Rams don't come out of the West, and I think Tampa is pretty much guaranteed a spot in, in the South. That's only five teams, though. I mean, so Panthers, Saints, Niners. We just talked about Seattle falling off. I mean, maybe Minnesota. So there's only three or, or what is there? Three or four teams for two more slots in the NFC. I guess I give like, the Saints as good a shot as the Niners or Panthers or Vikes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Bears. The Bears are still three and two right now. I they guess could, they yeah. can make a run. You know, I think the the they were in last year. The they played a, some great defense last week, and if their young quarterback can continue to progress as he has, and I think he will, then they could they could be vying for that spot. But still, it's only you know four or five teams that that really have a, a spots, legitimate yeah. shot, probably for those for those two spots.
1: I can't see Washington being one. I'm I don't think so. Them. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. A couple more questions. We're going to tie it into Matt's tight end position. Stock up, stock down next. Now is the time to grab yourself a box of Built Bars at Built.com and get 15% off your first box while doing it with promo code LOCKED15. They brought back the marshmallow puff flavors recently they're always bringing in new and fun flavors and the bottom line is it tastes good and it's healthy that's the only reason you need to be going to builtbar.com it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar most flavors have 17 grams of protein only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs Uh, Maybe you want a little bit more protein, you can get up to 18 grams of protein in some flavors, like the peanut butter, which is my favorite, but there's a ton of great flavors, all covered in delicious 100% chocolate. The nine original flavors, a bunch of new flavors, I think they got 18 flavors up there. You can build your own box and mix and match flavors. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We've got a question here, Matt, from Evan. And I, I'm, I feel for Evan right now. This is, you know, sometimes you get one of those positions on your fantasy football squad that's just not going well. And I envision that's what's happening. I don't know if his starter that he drafted is hurt. But he says, he says should I pick up Seals Jones or Dan Arnold for a tight end option while mine's on a bye? Full PPR. And to me, even if your number one tight end is hurt or on a buy, I mean, Seals Jones and Dan Arnold, that's the, like, is this a 32-team league? That's the best you got? That's that's a rough one, Evan. Uh, I don't know if I can help you out with this because Dan Arnold is a backup tight end who hasn't been utilized much since he was traded. And Seals-Jones at least has an opportunity to get in the end zone, maybe. So I guess I would lean towards Seals-Jones. But I might try to just swing for the fences with someone like, um, oh shoot, I don't know, maybe the Tremble, right? Someone that's a high upside player, that's a young player that maybe could stick on your roster after this bye week for your starting tight end. But, yeah, it's pretty rough.
1: Full disclosure, you know, we were starting to record here noon Wednesday And I'm like, oh, I kind of forgot to throw a Twitter question out there. So like at 11.59, I just said, any last minute ones. And this one happened to pop up. But before that happened, I had a list here of stock up, stock down. And for no good reason, I had all tight ends, you know, just to make it a theme. Because in the fantasy world, as many of you are experiencing, that's been awful there. I mean, it really has been for a couple of years. So, if you don't have one of the every week starters, which is probably about five of them right now, and Kittle can't be on that list because he's on IR. So, somebody invested a high pick in Kittle and isn't happy about it. And even Hawk's been a little down, and Waller hasn't been awesome, but you still start them every week. Kyle Pitts is clearly in that list now, and anyone that was worried about him, shame on you. I mean, he's a stud. But I have a list here of six kind of no-name tight ends, two of which Evan just mentioned, that I kind of have some interest in, you know. And uh, Seals-Jones, Arnold, Njoku, Knox for the Bills, Mm -hmm. Everett returning from COVID for Seattle. They desperately need a third guy. And Tremble would probably be last on that list too, but he was one I had listed as well. So those guys are not flashy. They're not early picks except Njoku. You know they they all have warts, but so did Bob Tanyan last year,
0: right? I I, I think Everett is an interesting one because. They're obviously going to have to game plan much differently, and they're going to yeah, help yeah. out Geno Smith and be like, okay, let's feature throwing the ball to the backs a little bit. Let's throw the ball to the tight end. Let's get that offense moving a little bit without asking him to do Russell Wilson type things and, and make big, huge plays down the football field. So a little bit of a quicker passing game I could imagine on paper, and we'll see how those games turn out and see how Geno plays. And he can get the ball out to his wide receivers, obviously, and he's got some good ones. But I could absolutely see that being a factor in the game plan. Is like, let's feed the tight end a little bit more this week with Geno.
1: Yeah, I I think that's very possible. I really like Everett. You know, they hired the Rams offensive coordinator, quickly signed Everett for that. You know, they they really need a third pass catcher there in a big way. Uh, The Steelers have allowed a touchdown to tight ends, I think, three weeks in a row or something like that, too. Or double-check that. I don't have that handy. Um, Dawson Knox, to me, is real. Those other guys are – I'm at least open to the idea that they're real. Like Seals Jones has been around the league and that sounds like a terrible fantasy pickup, but he's exactly what Logan Thomas was. I mean, it's not as good because right. they never asked that position to block. So if he's going to run a route on 80% of the pass plays, he's worth it for fantasy. And I know Dan Arnold isn't sexy, but he, and we all kind of brushed it off while wow, they gave up Henderson for some tight end that I've hardly ever heard of in a couple picks. Well, I give Jacksonville credit. I mean, they needed a middle of the field weapon for their rookie quarterback and Arnold's okay. And that also opened a spot for tremble with Arnold leaving, you know? So, um, and the Joku's always been one that's teased me for crazy, uh, like crazy, but you have to realize tight ends take a long time to develop and just watching him run 75 yards away from the defense. And he's yeah. had his moments this year.
0: That one feels like such a teaser. Like, you go and pick him that's up, and he does he nothing too. the rest right. of the year, too. But, yeah, with with the tight ends, too, and in this situation for Evan, just picking a guy up for one week, just, you know, you have to get lucky. You're hoping for a red zone. You're hoping for a touchdown. Like, that's what you mm-hmm. want is red zone targets. So go look for red zone targets and, and pick up that guy.
1: Yeah, and actually I have my sock down list here. I mentioned Kittle. Tanyan, to me, is droppable. Like, they don't use him anymore. He was a Fugazi last year. Dallas Goddard's on COVID. So could you start Ertz versus Tampa now? Eh, maybe. And then I wanted to mention the Patriots situation because I didn't see this coming at all. Johnnie Smith is just a blocker now. I mean, there they, he's running a route like on mm-hmm. 10%, very, very low percentage of time, and it's Henry running routes. So Belichick could switch his mind any minute now, but John U. Smith doesn't go out for passes. I mean, I can't use, you can't use him.
0: And one more fantasy nugget. Evan, come on. You got to be a week ahead of your buys. You got to pick up your guy for the buy week in week five to get him ready for week six so you don't have to fight the waiver wire for that one position that's really going to screw you if you don't get a good player. So come on. Let's, let's get ahead of the game here, Evan. Yeah, that's true. You got to be a little more proactive than that. This question, I've been sitting on this one for a while, and it's a really good one, and he's kind of played second fiddle this year for a breakout with uh, Williams, the receiver, on the other side. But uh, Anthony asked the question a while back, is Keenan Allen the most underrated receiver of the last five to ten years? And I would say yes. I can't believe how nobody talks about how good Keenan Allen is and has been for a decade.
1: Yep, I think you're 100% right. He was R- Rivers' he was. He's now uh, Herbert's whoobie. He, I think he's a hall of famer probably with two or three more years of production. I know receivers are tough. Uh, maybe his fan base doesn't exactly help boost them up, you know, in terms of some of the other bigger markets. Not that that's not a big market, but they're no offense, Chargers fans. You're not the most uh, outgoing out there, but I think some of it stems from his, even the way he was drafted. I mean, I know you remember this. He was awesome at Cal. ran a four, seven. So everyone thinks he stinks, which hardly even matters for great route-running receivers. Chargers get him in, what, the third round when he played like a first-rounder, and he's been awesome ever since. So the answer is yes. He's as, as underrated as any receiver in the last 10, 15 years.
0: In a marquee position, wide receivers get so much pub. Uh, is it that he was in San Diego? Like, is it the Chargers franchise that's just not as well covered? Some, is yeah. it, Does he not have a good PR team? Why does nobody talk about him and how good he is? It's wild.
1: I mean, even like in our fantasy drafts, every year put the sticker up in the third or fourth round for Keenan Allen. No one's like, oh, damn, I wanted him. You've started him every week. He ends up as the eighth best receiver of the year. You know, It's just clockwork.
0: Let's end it with Anthony's got a question about the Chargers. Do you think the Chargers' lack of a home field is at all helpful to them? He's a longtime uh, season ticket holder. And then also a question for me at BD Peacock how we looking for game five Thursday? That's a baseball question. I I don't know if we're allowed to talk (laughs) baseball, but we got a big Giants Dodgers series going on here. I like Logan Webb and I like the Giants back at home in game five to beat the Dodgers. This is a big series I'm a Giants fan. My wife's a Dodgers fan. It was a big deal, and we got married uh, that that we were uniting a Dodgers family and a Giants family. So this is a big series, a, a full playoff series. This has not really ever happened before. There's a lot of big games between Giants and Dodgers, but not like a full actual playoff series. This is pretty crazy. So game five Thursday is going to be big. Uh, it's, it's, the series is tied 2-2. Two to two. So game five, oh, the oh, deciding I, I, game I, is bad. happening Thursday. It's a home game for the Giants.
1: Okay, okay.
0: That's going to be a fun one. Um helpful to not have a home field advantage. I don't see how that could be helpful, but maybe that makes him better on the road because it feels more like home. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's a season ticket holder, so he's actually at those games and maybe has some insight that I don't. The only way I could say, boy, this is an advantage is, and we see this in sports all the time. Nobody respects us. It's us against the world, you know, all that nonsense, Mm -hmm. but I'd rather like, I'd prefer to be able to hear in my home stadium and not to do silent counts. (laughs)
0: yeah you don't want it to be an away game at home that's (laughs) that's like like if it's neutral that's okay you know but if you're at a disadvantage for half your games and can't hear then you go home and you still can't hear that can't be good
1: no right I mean ask Joey Bosa if he would like to have crowd noise in his favor when the Chargers are winning in the fourth quarter yes of course he would
0: Yes. Uh, and Anthony, I'll throw a question back to you. What's it actually like there? Is it is it actually no home field advantage or is it get loud? And, and is it hard for opposing teams depending on the opponent? Because obviously, if the Raiders come into town, there's a lot of Raiders fans in LA. Probably more difficult because the Raiders still have played more games in LA as a home team than the Chargers have. So um, that's. I always uh,
1: wondered that too. Like, is it 50 50? Are there fights or, you know, like, is it a little more. Or, Chargers fans just used to it and just kind of keep their head down and oh well. Yeah. And they're,
0: do, do they're, a lot of folks travel up from San Diego still enough. to go to those games in L.A.? Yeah. That's a good question.
1: Right. I mean, like they just played the Browns. Like, I bet there was a lot of Browns fans there. Or if they play the Packers or the Cowboys or the Steelers or one of these teams that really travels well, they just take that stadium over.
0: And is it growing? I would imagine that they would be collecting some fans. I mean, I love those powder blues, those uniforms. Um, You know, if you want to buck the trend of the Rams who have bounced in and out, you know, I'm sure there's some jaded fans there that aren't huge Ram fans either. So you could sort of try to get a chunk of that LA market there with Chargers fans and a superstar quarterback and a team that looks like they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they should be gaining fans left and right.
1: If if there were 32 stocks in the world of of one of every NFL team, has any team's stock grown more in the last year than the Chargers? I think that's a perfect
0: stock up right now to end this program. Absolutely. Huge stock up for the entire Los Angeles Chargers program. They're in a brand-new state-of-the-art stadium, superstar young quarterback, superstar young head coach. Like They could be a dynastic team going forward. Unfortunately, they have the the Chiefs Chiefs who are dynastic in their division.
1: Right. I mean, they're on a fire. They just beat the Browns and the Chiefs the week before that. They're first in the one of the hardest divisions in the league. Like, come on, Chargers fans, show up. And, and I've always been told, and I can't relate to this as much being from where I am, is San Diego is just too beautiful of a place for us to worry about football. You know? Like, it's just too <laughs> awesome here for me to worry about things like football.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, go go own that Southern California market, Chargers. I mean, I'm buying in Hart. Yeah.
1: Great team to root
0: for. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Apologies if we didn't get to yours. You can always hit us any time of the week at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Be back tomorrow. Preview in week six right here, Peacock and Williamson.